0: Hello and welcome to episode 69 of The Brand Lounge, the place for unfiltered conversations on big topics for small businesses. I'm Tammy Heels, founder of Cat Creative, uh, where I am a personal brand and marketing consultant, and I help service-based businesses to define and grow their brand and business. And today I am joined by Catherine Thompson, business mentor, copywriter, and owner of multiple businesses. So thank you for joining me today, Catherine. Thank you for having me. And listeners, today, Catherine and I are going to be talking about the realities of owning multiple businesses. So, if you're the kind of person who's just starting out, you've got multiple side hustle side hustles. You're considering starting a secondary business. We're going to be talking today around how that can look, how that can feel, and our experiences because. Catherine, as we've already mentioned, owns already established multiple businesses and I'm in the process of introducing a secondary business. So you can kind of get a point of view from someone who's going through it, someone who's already been through it and our experiences along the way. So Catherine, I love to start each episode just by kind of talking about like the basic levels of of why we do what we do. So I would love if you were happy to which is why you're here for sure. the, yeah, for you to share kind of your experiences of what it's, what it's like owning multiple businesses and kind of why it was something that you were passionate to do.
1: Yeah. So I think I've been a multi-passionate person m- majority of my whole life. I love the variety of doing Multiple different things. And so I think the thing that I struggled with in corporate. So I spent 15 years working in corporate communications, marketing communications, and I ditched that career four years ago to jump full time in entrepreneurship. And I think the struggle with corporate was just that monotonous that routine of doing the same thing nine to five and not really having that variety or creative ability to do, like I said, multiple things. And so that's why. I've pursued multiple different paths and they are very different. The businesses that I've owned and that I still currently own are, are quite a variety from winemaking to photography to marketing communications consulting. So yeah.
0: I love that. I love the fact that it's it's answering multiple passions that you have as a business owner who is obviously loves the entrepreneur way of life. Totally.
1: Yeah, I think that's the the other big reason why I I left corporate was because of that, the freedom in like the entrepreneur life to be able to to take on a bunch of different things um, and to really have that creative freedom to do the things that you you want to do. So,
0: Oh, that's cool. I'm curious. Was it your intention when you started? Were you like, I'm going to have multiple businesses or did you start with one idea and then realize that you wanted to add an additional stream?
1: Um, I think when I was in corporate, I had my uh, photography business. So I uh, photographed commercially wedding photography, predominantly um, families and whatnot. So I did that as like a side hustle. Uh, when I jumped full-time into entrepreneurship, I did winemaking, and I actually, I went into that with the idea that this was something I was going to do for the long term. Um, it's a business I actually just recently sold, and so I, I'm not sure I, I thought I was going to have a variety of different businesses, but I think when I owned the brick and mortar, I realized it was very similar to corporate, just times 10, and so I was stuck working in a retail space, and I realized I I needed to get out of that I I wanted to get back to the variety of doing things and that's why ultimately we decided to sell
0: that's really interesting because they are so vastly different because with my experience like I feel like all the business ideas that I've had have always come back to like a core for me personally um apart from the odd one where it's like I'd love to own a tea room which is still on still on the plan for one day yeah and pursue that passion. Um, but for me, like explaining where I am at the moment, I'm I'm looking at launching a secondary business that answers a need that with it is still within my skill set, it's still within what I do, it's still within branding, design and marketing, but it's for a very specific niche, which is where I find it interesting because you've gone for chasing passions that are completely different to fulfill that interest for you. Yeah. And for me it's almost like I've identified a niche that I'm not ready to give up my other business because I absolutely love the work that I do and I love doing the consultancy stuff and seeing how that's kind of evolving and and developing. But this secondary business that I'm trying to think when this episode's going live because I'm hoping it will be launched. Yeah. <laughs> So this secondary business um, is focusing on branding and marketing for podcasts specifically for business owners who are starting their own podcasts, which was a niche that I found didn't really have too many options when I was looking at starting my podcast. So it was like, oh, hey, there's a gap in the market there that I feel would be manageable because it's similar to my current business, but I could build it in a different way.
1: Yeah, so cool. Because I, yeah, mine are very, very different sort of ideas and and passions. And and I think that's a other really kind of cool thing is I loved wine and loved drinking wine, but making it is completely different. And so it actually takes the the sexiness out of drinking wine. <laughs> Cause you're like, this is a lot of work. And so that's something that I learned again is like sometimes your passions or interests are not necessarily, I mean, it it turned out to be a great business. We sold it and there's new owners and it's successful, but it just wasn't something that I quickly lost the passion for, for wine in the. Having to do the labor of making it. So,
0: yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I guess it's kind of like when you get a make your own gin kit and you're like, this is amazing. Oh, it's work and I have to wait.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly (laughs) the same way. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, I would love to talk a little bit around. I mean, obviously, we're going to be talking about the successes and the benefits and everything like that because it's really important. But I also feel like it's always worthwhile talking around the challenges that we face, particularly as business owners who. I mean, I do, I go off on so many tangents all the time that when I come up with these ideas, it's really difficult to know which ones to pursue. And the challenges that I felt I would face were a big factor in deciding whether I should actually go ahead with making this a fully formed business or whether I should make this a service that I offer. So when it comes to um, the actual realities of owning multiple businesses, were there what were the kind of the biggest challenges that you found? Either ones that you were expecting or ones that you weren't.
1: Yeah, I think you know, for me, I think the biggest challenges, especially with the brick and mortar, um, I don't think I realized the amount of work that goes into like a physical location, the overhead, the management of that, like the staffing, all of that, and the hours that need to be put into. On top of retail hours, right? So you have your retail store hours, and then all of the hours after the fact. Like these are all challenges I didn't maybe consider or didn't realize the depth of how it was going to look. And then I think to like the juggling of things because I'm such a call it a workaholic to some degree, I guess that it's easy for me to overwork myself. And so I think two years into entrepreneurship, I hit massive burnout and. It was, I had never experienced it where I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't have the energy to do a lot of things. And I just couldn't keep track of my own to-do list, so to speak. It was like this running to-do list. So I think some of setting some really clear boundaries around like when you're working, when you're not working, those are all things in corporate are very structured for you. It's like, okay, you come in at nine and you leave at five, like go home. But when you get in an entrepreneurship and you've spent 15 years in corporate, you don't really have the boundaries. Plus, you have nobody else to do the work for you. So the work has to get done. <laughs> so it's not like you can just come in the next day and, and do it. If there's deliveries or orders that have to go out, they have to go out. And so I found myself working you know, from 8 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night or basically like high-fiving my husband. He was coming in after his full-time career. And kind of try to juggle that and then maintain relationships as a result of it. Right. So you've got, you know, I have a spouse and, and friends I didn't see for long periods of time and family and missing birthdays and different things like that. And so I I don't know if I particularly thought about those things going into entrepreneurship with kind of clear eyes. I think I romanticized it more than more than it can be sometimes. So
0: that's really interesting as well, because a lot of what you've said there sounds incredibly familiar to me as someone who run their business alongside a full-time role for a while. Yeah. Because, And I don't know whether it's because you had a combination of service and it wasn't even product, was it? It was product and having an actual establishment. Yeah. So that just feels like it's absolutely huge. Do you think, in hindsight, and having run service-based businesses if you had had two service-based businesses running alongside, do you think that that would have had a different impact to kind of the time and everything that you had?
1: I absolutely think so. If I, if I had set up my business similar to Creatively Own, which is basically virtual, right, with very little overhead, uh, if I had done that, absolutely. Because I do think that the brick and mortar world retail space is just a whole nother beast. There's just, so many other things and it's retail so it has to be open the doors physically have to be open right for retail hours in order to make make your sales or attract people into your business so whereas my service-based business I can create a lot more structure and parameters and systems around that and my hours of operation I get to set those right and I get to create that um And drive and funnel people into my business in that capacity. Whereas, like I said, that brick and mortar and where we are, there's rules, right? You had to be open certain periods of time. Like it was a rule in the contract when we opened the space in that little strip mall area, we had to be open a certain period period of time every day. So...
0: Yeah, I guess there must have been limitations with, I don't know if it's the same over in Canada, but in the UK, at least there used to be, or there might still be limitations on when you can sell alcohol as well.
1: Yeah, and our business was super unique in that it was a brew on premise, so to speak. The concept was like a micro where you can go in and fill your growler with beer. It was the same way. You could come in and, and bring your bottles in and fill your bottles with wine. So the people had to be on premise, but there were... I couldn't do it for them, right? So these people had to come physically into the store. And we saw with COVID, when the stores all shut down, I mean, the government relaxed the rules, but it was how much I could get done without having the traffic come through the door, right? So I could bottle a lot quicker and a lot faster than a lot of the customers were doing. So it was interesting to see the dynamic shift with COVID. But um, yeah, so it's, it's just a very different, Different world, that brick and mortar retail, and just some of the rules and regulations that you have to abide by.
0: I'm really curious as well. So, you had your photography business first, and then introduced this wine bricks and mortar business. With the commitment and the time and everything that you've been, that you had to have for this new business, I'm going to presume, and I'd love to hear your insights, how that overshadowed your existing business and whether you did feel that you could run the two effectively together.
1: Yeah, great question. I, to be honest with you, the brick and mortar sort of kept like a primary capacity for me because it was something I had to go to every day. So there was the hours there that I had to put in, right? So the online business was something that I knew I couldn't fully scale fully, right? Without the, I had to eventually sell the brick and mortar to be able to scale that. Now, back to your original or a question before where you said like if I had the two businesses right I feel like I could have two online businesses if they were set up with proper systems and structures I could scale those together right but I just think because of the brick and mortar and the me needing to be there in the physical space um, it definitely cut into being able to scale the online business for sure.
0: That's really interesting because it's not something that I considered before because I know that there are differences between running a product-based business and a online based business, but actual physical premises is not something that I've had a huge amount of experience with, because I tend to focus on, you know, supporting service based businesses. And to be honest, over the last year where I've moved into consultancy, a lot of it hasn't been, you can't do the bricks and (laughs) mortar. Like it's been a weird old year. So it's really interesting to see how that dynamic worked with multiple businesses, particularly when you had like a creative business, and then one that was quite hands-on I guess yeah
1: yeah and the that's where I think for again too right I mean the parts that I loved with the brick and mortar I mean I loved a lot a lot of things about it but it was being able to come up with cool marketing plans it was the creative ways and thinking of how to attract more people into the business how to grow it like that's where I really enjoy and what I really enjoy doing and so some of them monotonous not in day of that brick and mortar wasn't like I said my my zona genius or my jam or whatnot so
0: yeah absolutely I'm curious as well so um your photography business do you still run that alongside your copywriting business now
1: uh yeah so I do and I want to bring that back more or introduce more of that some of the things that I can offer with my marketing communications right we're providing ways in which to take photos or make your photos look good for your social media, that sort of thing. But I do do weddings, uh, family gigs as well, newborn stuff uh, locally here.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So when it comes to, I'm going to talk about these two, because this is the kind of, this is a challenge that I'm facing that I'm <laughs> curious to get your insights in, which is how do you establish yourself to be known for both because that's something that's really played on my mind when I've been considering whether to add this as a service within my existing business so I can continue building my profile that way, or do I set this up as a second company? And because I want to scale them differently, I won't want one to be agency, I won't want one to be a personal brand. I'm really torn between how to establish myself as being known and an authority for both.
1: Yeah. And that's, again, sort of like a, it's a great question in terms of, for me, I think what was easy to be able to do that was the diversity in, in the businesses that I own. So why making business very local? It's, you can't ship it. You can't, right. So even when I sold it, a lot of my customers were like, what are you doing now? they didn't even know what my past life was in corporate. And I said, well, I'm going to do marketing communications, a consulting business. And they were like, I didn't even know you did that. Mm -hmm. So getting really succinct with your messaging and your brand on the different platforms or the different, wherever you're marketing, I guess, is kind of the recommendation. Creatively owned was very, the look and feel, the brand, what I said on my social media, my websites were very different. How I marketed to who I was marketing to was very different than the winemaking business, right? And so I think really drawing, figuring out one, can I roll this under the umbrella of what I currently offer? Or do I want this separate business to exist? And if so, how is that very different? And will I, will it meld, right? Because I think that's where the, you have to get clear on, is it going to be... Is it going to overlap in some capacity, some way, shape or form? Or can I really compartmentalize it and separate it is what I think is will make it successful in order to become a authority sort of in two spheres. But you also see lots of big name people, um, celebrity brands, that sort of thing, personal brands. They do a lot of different things. Like Once they get up to that level of being known for one thing, all of a sudden they've got this big, huge suite of things that they do, that sort of thing, right? So I follow a local or Canadian brand here, Jillian Harris, and she started, she was on The Bachelorette, and The Bachelor, but she was an interior designer. And now she has like a subscription box. She has online academy courses. She does interior design and she has a cookbook, right? So I think you can evolve and grow and be eventually known for multiple different things, but still be seen as authority in what you do.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I feel like, and it's some, again, it's that whole, it's the usual trope of not being able to see the things that you help others to see. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Like, I am always with my clients. It's like, you can always grow to be a bigger business. Every business starts small. And then when it's me, I'm like, yeah, but it's just me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it really interesting hearing what you were saying there, because it's almost like it's funny because those individuals, those celebrity brands are no longer just about that person. There's a massive team behind them.
1: 100%. And
0: it's funny or ironic, maybe, um, that there's a massive team to represent this one focused individual brand. Whereas when we are that one individual, we're trying to make it seem like we, we have a have... team that we want to grow into. So it's, it's yeah, it's funny to see the parallels and the the difference between the two, <laughs> totally,
1: and yeah, and this, and Julian Harris. I mean, she's got a massive team behind her, but she's set up like different, uh, like Instagram handles for each different part of her brand. So, like the Jilly Box, then Julian Harris, and then the JH brand, and then her cookbook. Like she has handles for all of social media handles for all of the different pillars, I guess, in her business, that sort of thing. But.
0: That's a really interesting point as well, because I feel like certain platforms lend themselves to being a multi- multiple business owner than others. I feel like Facebook and LinkedIn are harder to yeah. promote yourself from a social perspective are a harder way to market yourself as a multiple uh, business owner, because they're very much about you as an individual. So trying to be known for one thing. Yeah. Is hard when you want to be known for more. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. But like you said, with Instagram, different multiple handles, you can have the different accounts, but I think it will come back to what you were saying earlier on. And it's balancing your time and making sure that you've got, because there are so many things you need to think about when you're having multiple businesses, because it's, it's the financial side, because you're going to have to have multiple email systems or multiple website hosting. And Bank account. Yeah. Bank accounts. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that I'm curious about, because here in the UK, one of the very first challenges that I had when it came to even contemplating setting up this business as a secondary business was how I actually do that from a legal point of view. I asked my mum first, then I asked an accountant kind of, how do I set this up? Because I, so in the UK, I'm, I'm a limited company, so I'm technically a director. Hashtag goals yeah rather than a sole trader so you have a sole trader then you can be limited and then there are other gubbins that come later on like back registered and stuff so I didn't want to have to have another set of accounts for a separate business that was different to my limited business so I had to get this legal advice from a wonderful solicitor who advised that I could have it as a trading name even though it was still part of my company, it was still technically a separate, I could have it as a separate brand. Did you, did you go through that fiasco when you were creating your businesses?
1: Yeah, we, we were very separate in all three businesses. So our brick and mortar was a corporation and we did the corporation, um, again, sought accounting advice and legal advice on this. Um, And I highly recommend that when you're doing this stuff and not to try to do it yourself, because you want to set your business up in the right way. And there are the legalities that come with it, especially if you have a partnership of any sort. So the corporation really protects you like liably. So for the brick and mortar, we had rent and all of these sorts of things. So for whatever reason, nightmare happens, we can't pay the rent. They can't physically come after our houses and our Our livelihood that way so really setting up in a proper way but we had very like all very separate bank accounts photography separate brick and mortar separate and creatively owned is very separate and so if I evolve and build on creatively owned I'll likely depending how it fits uh if it's if it fits underneath it then I'll just continue to build that way but Mm. if it's a completely different sort of idea then it will be a considered a separate business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because there are so many different business formats, let alone from a legal point of view, but like, how do you want to run your business? Do you want to keep it just you? Do you want to invite other people in? That's something that I was very aware of. And I, again, I'd love to hear your insights from the fact that you've, you know, I'm at the very early stages. You've actually grown and established these um, and work with partners where I have an inkling where I want this business to grow. Like, I've got my personal brand, which I think I'm going to keep maybe outsourced team members. But this other business, I really want to grow more in like um, a, a bigger way, like agency style. And I'm having to think now in a way that I've never had to consider for my business of the future, even though that could be like, you know, at this point in time while we're recording, I don't have it's not all set up yet. And I'm still having to think like, where do I want to be in like five years time from a from a technical point of view? How do I run this? So was that something that you kind of did you do like a business plan
1: or Yeah. So we put together a business plan. And this is again, you know, everything's sort of like hindsight 2020, because I think that from a legality standpoint, what I wish I had better knowledge on, I have it now, but I wish I had better knowledge on how to structure the partnership in a more legal way and so we all were equal partners Mm -hmm. but it wasn't equal Um, I did the very majority of the work and that caused a lot of friction in the relationships because there was no clear expectations of who's doing what I was the operator and so obviously majority of stuff's gonna fall to me but it got to as we grew we didn't have the capacity necessarily to hire staff but we needed the partners to help. And so, but then getting when people have full-time jobs and all these sorts of things. So I wish I could go back in time and really have very clear, this is what your role and responsibilities are and have it signed off on. Um, Those are something that, yeah, I I mean, hindsight 2020, I learned as I went along, but it's difficult to project where you want to go, but to have that end goal in mind is really, really important. And don't avoid getting very granular with that. Even if you feel like it's a waste of time in this moment, like, Oh, I don't really want to do this right now. Like it doesn't really impact me now. It will impact you. And especially if you have partners, it can really, really cause friction in the relationships. And so our business was successful sales wise, but we definitely had friction in the partnership, which caused issues. Right. And so you need to consider kind of all of that as you grow. So really having that and, and thinking big about it, right? Like that, like you said, I want to take this to agency. I want to have people in-house with me, like working as employees, not outsourcing. That type of work is like get really clear on that. And anytime you hire somebody, is like having a very specific like expectations of what that role is because I've also done this in my online business where I've outsourced something and it's like a catch-all it's like I need help with all of these things. Yeah. And then you end up hiring somebody that's kind of doing this catch-all but they're not really an expert in anything. Yeah. And it, that can cause friction too right because it's you know some things take longer than than they should if it was an expert like for example here edit this video well if they're not a video editor It might take them 10 hours and then they're billing you 10 hours for it. When if you hired a video editor, it might only take them 20 minutes, you know, or an hour whatever. So,
0: yeah, that's really interesting. And that's something that I feel like when you're getting swept away in the daydream of having these wonderful multiple businesses it can be I don't want to say discouraging dampening it can be like a bit of a wet towel when you have to sit there and think about yeah all right so practically how is this going to work and practically how am I going to grow into this I shared a post on Instagram uh, recently which is like when we're kids we're told that oh you'll grow into it you always get something that's too big and you grow into it and I feel like that holds true with business as well because you need to be creating your business bigger than you expect it to be so that when it does grow yeah 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 and that's such a great point because with the brick and mortar I
1: used to call it monsters like I had created a monster right things that I had created when we weren't big and then when we got big, there were things I couldn't sustain. And so mm-hmm. now with Creative Own, I'm very conscious about creating sustainability along with profitability because sustainability, if it can't scale, can't grow, you know, at, at five clients, this is manageable. But well, what's this going to look like at 500 clients or 200 clients or whatever? Can that, what you've created, grow? And with the brick and mortar... I, I, like I said, I created monsters with just different customers, right? Like we'd offer things, special things to different people. And then it's like, well, we can't sustain that at that, what you've offered them. So I think that's a big one with, yeah, creating something that you can grow into and thinking about the future, which is like, I you know it can, that practicality can dampen that romance or that
0: excitement phase uh, when you're starting out. Yeah, I think as well, you've hit on a really good point there, which is like you need to, it's not just a a case of understanding where you want to be, but it's kind of, it's looking at the processes that you're setting up now and understanding how they are going to work when you grow. Yeah. And that's something like, if you want to keep your business just being you and you only want to run one business and everything else, that's absolutely fine. But when you're setting your goal of being fully booked in air quotes for six months, you need to know exactly what that looks like. What can you cope with? How many clients is that? What kind of money are you charging? Because even if you're only looking at running one business as one person, you still need to be realistic about how you can grow and scale because you're not always going to be wanting to stay in the same place. 100%. And I think that for me looking back,
1: I mean, I invested in support. Mm -hmm. I invested in support from like our current state. Like I need help. Right. Whereas investing in support with people that have gone through that journey that have like struggled because now when I talk to people that have had a brick and mortar for 12 years, you know, they're like, yeah, we went through that too. Like I created things or I, you know, I didn't have a system for onboarding or taking orders or whatever, like even processes of hiring staff, like the first two years, everything was in my head. So my spouse would always say to me, "If something happened to you, you got sick or broke a leg or something, like how would we function?" And and it, it was a really great question because there were no manuals or processes. It's just I knew what I was doing, and so really making sure that you're considering sort of the long term future of the business but also getting the support from people that have walked maybe those steps, further steps ahead of you that can give you some of that insight of, and and like I said, scalability or sustainability is a huge thing for me. Is the thing that I'm taking on right now sustainable and can I grow
0: it? I love that. And I think, you know, absolutely. I fully lean into that. It's it's why I started this podcast. (laughs) I can (laughs) learn from other people about the things that I'm not as knowledgeable about, but I still want to have these conversations because these are incredibly important to have. Otherwise, I would have been like three months into a new business going, none of this is sustainable, none of this is going to be working in three months time let alone three years time it's like what are you doing Tammy yeah. <laughs> what have you done yeah <laughs> what are these monsters yeah so, it's helpful but I mean we've talked a lot around the challenges and what to be cautious of and hindsight as wonderful as it is but I would love to talk about what what was great about running multiple businesses? Like what are the benefits for multi-passionate people? So what would you say was like one of the biggest things that it brought to you being a multiple business owner?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I go, I mean, it's, it's kind of twofold for me. I love creating things. So I love the, the, the challenge or to create, to grow, to figure out new and innovative ways to do things. And so being an entrepreneur, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur, I love that capacity of it, being in creation mode and constantly growing and evolving. I also love the people that I get to meet. So connection with my customers or clients is super important for me. And so just being able to, like you mentioned, you know, talking on a, meeting with people on a podcast and having these conversations and getting to meet all these different people. For me, the brick and mortar wine business, you know, they were in the store for 30 minutes to an hour at a time bottling wine. And so I really got to know who they were and, you know, trips they've taken, their kids, all of the sorts of things. I used to joke that I was the new hairdresser because I really got to know their life and same with my clients. They become you know, a part of my business. And so I really do love sort of the connection piece and learning from people, right? So that whole growth and evolving and being able to learn, learn as you go and the capacity to create and have that creative freedom is is something that I absolutely love about being an entrepreneur.
0: I love that. And I, I'd love to know, because you've started, scaled, grown and sold businesses. Yeah. Now. <laughs> um, is there a particular part of running a business or starting a business that you enjoy the most like do you enjoy the beginning or the growth stage which bit is your favorite i love the idea stage so part of
1: creatively owned is really helping people sort of in that idea stage start to put themselves out there and go for it but i do love like i said that Growth, it's, there is something really excited about seeing sort of what you've created as the foundation in the early stages of your business sort of start to pay off. And so yeah, I think those, I mean, those two stages, for sure, probably my favorite. I mean, scaling, obviously, is fun. It's fun too just putting things on kind of autopilot but I do love the idea stage and just seeing people in that excitement stage of like I have this idea and this is what I want to do and yeah
0: that's awesome so with everything that we've kind of covered like everything that you've been through all the challenges or the tribulations all the wonderful things that have come through it do you think that you're going to continue to launch additional businesses in the future Yes. So I ha- yes, it's, it's, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, already on it. Got six more in the pipeline.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. So I do have um, one. It's a product based business that's in the works at the moment. So, um, I'm working with a friend who we come up with different ideas all the time, but this one we're really, really excited about. I'm not ready to share what it is yet, but it's a product based business that we're hopefully going to be launching here. Product based and developing a product is very different than obviously launching service. So, it takes time to do kind of like prototype and all of that. So, I'm hoping by August we'll. Be able to launch that business.
0: So, right. Yeah. I tell you what. What we'll do is in August. So we're recording this to be going live. I think it's going live around June time. What we'll do is we'll when it when you do launch, yeah. Let me know and I'll add the show the links into the show notes. So any of awesome. you listeners who are listening after August and want to know what it is that Catherine's launching, come yes. and have a look and we'll. We're going to have to now. I've promised you. Promised you. Yeah. <laughs> Pressure's on. I better get this launched now. No. <laughs> August, you heard it here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't said a year, Catherine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's really exciting though. And I'm glad that, you know, you've talked around how you had these challenges working with another partner and in a partnership with others before and the challenges of having a bricks and mortar alongside all of the excitement and the wonderful benefits of running uh, multiple businesses. So I'm glad to hear that it it isn't something that you're like never again. You're actually going straight back in there with another partnership. And I think that 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 really speaks volumes, that it is something that can be done. I know that when we initially spoke way back, whenever it was, we were talking around how there seems to be a little bit of shade thrown at people who have multiple businesses. You know, it's it's a tricky one because as a, as a branding expert, I completely understand how important it is to be known for one thing and to do it well. But equally, I also think that you can have multiple businesses. It's been proven many, many times that if you do it right, you, you can absolutely have them. So, yeah, I mean, how do you feel when you see those kind of conversations crop up online where it's like, oh, you you can only have one thing?
1: Yeah, you know, I used to, I, I think I, I started to believe it for a bit. Um, and I started to try to fit myself into that box. But then I realized, you know, it's, it's so not who I am. And I've seen multiple successful businesses i've built two three successful businesses now right and so i i get it i don't agree with it i think that if and it's not for everybody by any stretch and so i think that it's really getting to know who you are and what kind of keeps you motivated and 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 whatnot and so i think because some people it is they just want the one business to focus on and they can't think about focusing on anything else but majority of the entrepreneurs that i've talked to like i said have Plethora of ideas, <laughs> and they're constantly, you know, not every idea is an idea. Maybe you want to pursue an opportunity you want to pursue. So, but I just think it's so. I think it's possible if you're a multi-passion entrepreneur and you love creating, and you have a bunch of different ideas that you think that could be a viable viable business. Then definitely, I say go for it.
0: I love that. I think that we've covered a huge amount in this, and I I feel like we could carry on talking for hours, but. I think overall, the summary of the points that I've kind of taken away is the key, is the key points that I'm really picking up on is making sure that you've got the legal side covered early, but the legal side covered for growth in the future. Um, I would also say making sure that you have an idea of where you want it to go in the future and start documenting your processes and everything early so that when you are at that stage where you're like, right, I'm ready to bring on help, outsource, whatever, whatever you already have everything there. So it's not going to be a barrier for you to scale because I feel like that's something that tends to get in the way is like, Oh, that means if I'm going to hire someone, I need to have all of this in place. But if it's already there, you're good. Totally. And I think the third thing is if you want to do it, do it. (laughs) Protect your time, protect your space, have those boundaries in place. Like you were saying earlier, but absolutely, if you want to have multiple businesses, go forth and do it and then just find your way through because you will. I believe in you guys. Yeah, <laughs> there's no no
1: one right path at this. And I think that's where when, when I hear people saying online, like you have to pick one thing or you have to do it this way, that already irks me because I'm like, there isn't a right way, right? It's just the way for you. And like you said, just you get to choose and you get to work through work through
0: it. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, businesses are ever changing and ever evolving. So even if it doesn't quite go the way that you want to start with, you can always change it. You can always pivot. I think we've all learned that over the last year or more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Amazing. So Catherine, I have one last question for you, which I always ask my guests from everything that we've discussed today and from your experience, what would be the one key piece of advice you'd like to share with the listeners when it comes to uh, running multiple businesses? Uh,
1: I think the biggest lesson for me that I learned is like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Even when you think that you don't have the money to pay people or that sort of thing, because I waited way too long. I waited two years into my brick and mortar. And I just think that the even if you have someone come in for an hour a day or do an hour worth of work that can take off your plate, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, that's an hour extra of your time, whether that's self care time or going to the gym or whatever. So I think for me, I lost a bit of, I did not prioritize myself first when I was running that business. And I learned that if I'm not doing well as a human, my business is not going to do well. So it really, really impacts. So don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm super stubborn and it, It's hard for me to ask for help sometimes, but I've
0: learned that I need to ask for help. I can relate to that so hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. That's been incredible. Thank you so much. And where can the listeners find more about you?
1: Yeah, so I hang out mostly on Instagram, but you can find me on Facebook as well. at creatively Owned.
0: And what I'll do is I'll pop all of the the links in the show notes, including the update in August time. Um, So if you want to go and find out more about Catherine and her businesses and everything like that, you can go through the links in the show notes and go and find out. Thank you so much for joining me today, Catherine. This has been absolutely wonderful to hear your insights and experience Yes, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Perfect. And listeners, if you want to hear more about Catherine and her businesses and journey so far, join us back here on Thursday when she will be sharing her business journey in the next Brand Story episode. And until then, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode over in our community, over either on Instagram or Facebook. As always, the links are in the show notes, and I will see you in the Brand Lounge.